Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We're the only country that comes up with a name for fun. Crack. It's blackguarding. It's scutting. It's no harm. 55 euros straight out of my account. So they have my money and I have no test. Sad time for all these people. And it's always a good hearted person to change them. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96FM. Morning, morning. How was your weekend? Did you enjoy that rugby on Saturday? I know it was one-sided. It was always going to be. I know it was an easy win. It was always going to be. But what a great start for Ireland in, in the rugby. And if you watched it, if you're into it, which you know I am, and you're going to be annoyed by me over the next couple of weeks, few weeks actually, the Wales-Fiji match. What a game! last night what an absolute stonker of a game and then you wonder why people bother their Barney watching those soccer qualifiers anymore I mean come on like anyway good morning what did you, what else did you do for the weekend went down yesterday to Ballycotton um, Queen Bee decided we needed to get out for a walk and she was right we needed to get out for a walk so we we drove down to, to Ballycotton and we took a walk it was a gorgeous day out over that fabulous cliff path that they have there I'm sure if if I kept walking I'd still be walking it goes on forever and ever again the only thing I'd say a beautiful walk great time fabulous scenery lovely gorgeous almost late summer day and then I thought do you know what do you know what it needs and anyone listening down in Ballycotton will probably lose their mind when I say this but I just said it to the lads Lorraine and Ross and Bucks there a while ago and they know the path well it 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 should be a path it actually because it's too on I just thought you could get a very bad fall on that path you could stumble very easily on that path I just thought I won't go down too well but that's me and you know me I speak my mind Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six is the number. The text to WhatsApp is oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six, and the email is opinion at ninety six fm dot ie. To far more serious things, Tracy Walker took to her Instagram late the other night to describe what had been happening during her holiday in Agadir in Morocco. The bed just started shaking, and we were like, what? and then the whole room just started going it was scary uh, we just um, literally ran from the room to come outdoors don't ask me why we did that we just automatically did it but as it turned out it was the right thing to do Tracy where are you and are you all right good morning good morning how are you PJ very good are you all right where 
Yes, we are. We're we're really good. Um, we're very fortunate in that Agadir is a relative. Would by comparison to the areas up around Marrakesh, Agadir is a relatively new town. Um, in 1960, there was a. a a massive earthquake. Now, it was actually um, a smaller earthquake than what we experienced on Friday night. Mm-hmm. It was 5.7 in 1960. But at the time, um, most of the residents from Agadir actually lived on the mountain, on the Casbah mountain. Okay. And what happened was the mountain absorbed the shocks from the earthquake. So in 1960, 15,000 people lost their lives um, and what they learned from that was to build a new town on the other side of the mountain on the coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they used better building techniques and all of that. So even though we were hit with a stronger earthquake um, on Friday night than what had happened in 1960, Everything here survived. Everything, you know, there's minimal, minimal damage. Describe what it how was. You experienced it was it. the most terrifying experience. We Friday night. The reason the death toll is rising so much is because Friday is a holy day here. So the majority of people were in bed. Um, like there's no bars open late. There's no restaurants really open very late. So everyone would have been in bed. Now, ourselves at that hour, we were, there was myself, my husband, Dave, and our two kids, Lucy and Dylan. Lucy is 12, Dylan is nine. And we were on the bed. And this is going to sound so comical, but we were watching Will Smith's Independence Day. A good movie. A great Uh, movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we were watching that and it was the part in the movie when the alien ship was about to blow up the Empire State Building. Yeah. And the next day the bed started shaking. <laughs> and my husband looked at me. He he looked at me and he was like, What are you doing? He thought I was shaking the bed for effect. Is this um, is this the, is this the I, special effects version on you've got for yeah, us? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually it's like it was when I say it was 20 seconds, it was literally 20 seconds, right. but it was the scariest 20 seconds ever so the in my life. What's it? Just describe it for so me. So we were, the four, of us, the four of us. Oh, that's, I think, I think. Yeah, and dropped. then it got more. Hold on a second. One second. Hear me? There, yeah, you dropped out there for a second. I should remind listeners okay. we are on live to, to Morocco in the, in the wake of an, of an earthquake. So, the line might yeah. might come and go, but the bed began to shake. Was it? The bed began, yeah. The bed began to shake, and it got more like it just got more and more intense. Um, my husband jumped off the bed, and the curtains started moving, and then the patio door was rattling, and then the whole floor just started. Walls were shaking. Everything was shaking. We grabbed the kids, and. Don't ask me why, but we like we grabbed the kids and I pulled them in under the door. It's movie stuff. Like no one told us, you know, there could be an earth, earthquake and this is what you need to do. Yeah, it's just stuff you remember from movies. Yeah. You know, get into a doorway or whatever. So we got into the doorway, um, and we just like we were we were terrified. We didn't know what to do, and instinct in me said we need to get out. So Dave pulled open the door 
and there was a couple of people in the corridor and as soon as the door opened, it all stopped. It was literally 20 seconds, but it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. Like, the kids are definitely a no for coming back at the minute. Like, they're saying, no way will they come back. And I mean, we're trying to distract them from... Um, you know, the news reports and that because the news reports are devastating. Yes. But we're just so fortunate that um, they built this new town on the other side of Agadir because it would have been a very different story. Yes, yes. So you're, what, 50-something yes. miles away from the actual centre of it? Um, where we're, uh, we were 200 kilometres Okay. But it was, yeah, so we're wow. 200 kilometres so from the epicentre. The whole room shakes 200 kilometres away, like. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's how intense it was. And it was the strongest, at 6.8, it was the strongest earthquake to hit Agadir in over a century. Yeah. Um, like, even stronger than the one that killed so many people in 1960. You, you seem to but, know the part of the world reasonably well, Tracy. Are you a regular visitor? Yeah, well, no. Um, I I have been... I had a cancer struggle for three years, so I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in September, in November of 2019. Okay. And then again in my lung in... September of 2021 and I had a stem cell transplant in April of 2022. I see. So we would have been taking the kids to, you know, the resorts in like Spain and Portugal up until then. Um, But now we want them to see the world. I got you. You know, we want to give them experience. I got you. And like we're, we're, we're giving them memories over material. If you get me, I do. So I do. I do. Yeah. We decided the kids are like the kids are nine and twelve now, so they're old enough to do longer flights and different parts of the world. So we said let's start with Morocco, and I do. I like when it comes to booking holidays, I really do my homework. Yes. Um, and it's just look, it happened. It's it's an act of God, you know. Would it stop me from coming? No, it wouldn't because it has been an extraordinary holiday. And the earthquake was literally 20 seconds out of 10 days. I know. Do you know? And it was just phenomenal. You know, I I actually would be very much on the same page as you that once we're okay, it's part of a holiday. I'd be like you. I look into everything I'm doing and I like to to know the part of the world I'm going to. but Absolutely. <clears throat> take it from the point where you're standing in the doorway and then you decided to head for outside. What happened next? Okay, so when we came out into the corridor, there was a few uh, other uh, people had come out of their rooms into the corridor and everyone was looking saying, what was that? What has happened? You know, what should we do? And I called out to one of the, the men that was further down the corridor and I said, we need to get out of the building. So we all came outside. Yes. Our room is in a garden area. Okay. So we all came out into the garden. There was about 30 of us, I suppose, when we all came outside. And then we could hear up just up from the garden area, there's like a covered walkway going to the pool and we could hear the commotion up there so we knew that that's where people were going Um, and we headed up that way and then there was security staff everywhere 
uh, the entertainment staff were everywhere and they were falling in trying to reassure the children. So we all got up there and it was just, oh my God, the fear in people because we first we didn't know what it was. And then when we realised what it was, I mean, movies tell us there's aftershocks. So we were waiting for more. I know. Um you know, the pools even, the because of the tremors and the pools are obviously filled to the top, all the water, you could see that the water levels had dropped in the pools because it had all been pushed out of the pools up onto the, up onto the walkways. But the staff here were just superb and couldn't, couldn't have asked more than what they did for us. I mean, it was as equally as scary for them, sure. you know, but they were, they were doing their utmost to reassure, especially the children. I mean, there was the entertainment crew here called the Bravo Club and they, they were putting their arms around my kids and giving them tight squeeze hugs and reassuring them that, you know, we're safe and yeah. Agadir is safe and, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's just, oh my God, what an experience. But we're, you know, we, you have to talk it down to experience. I know, and my heart goes out to the, all the lives that have been affected further north, um, nearer Marrakesh. Like Marrakesh itself is actually okay. It's up near the Atlas Mountains is where all of the damage was done and where the death tolls are rising. And yeah. it's because they're, they're the poorer communities that are living in what they call like mud houses yes. and the old, very old terracotta bricks. And they just crumbled like Lego. Yeah. Literally just give it, give them a knock and they just collapsed. Terracotta and wet yeah. hand, like, do you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they're barely more, barely little more than, than mud huts. They're built for the, built for the hot desert weather. So are you yeah. still, have you a couple of days left or when are you due home? Yeah, so we're flying home tomorrow evening. Okay. Yeah, so like we still had four days afterwards and you now the kids were ner- the kids are nervous. We say, Lucy then won't go to the bathroom unless I go to the bathroom with her because she's afraid something will happen and she'll be separated from us. Okay. That kind it's of thing. It's a natural fear, um, I suppose, Tracy. You know? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, would it, it wouldn't stop me coming back, but the kids at the moment are saying no way, I'd and like, Tracy, we've I'd, never forced them to come back. I'd be like you, and the queen bee yeah. wouldn't. The queen bee wouldn't set foot in the place. I'd be like you, yeah, and yeah, she wouldn't yeah. set foot in. Da- and that's so da- people yeah, are different. Davis, you know? and I suppose I like you see. I'm looking at it from a different viewpoint, having faced my own mortality multiple times already. I know. I'm like life is too short to worry about what it's yes you know we have to grab everything that every opportunity that's given to us we have to grab them absolutely. and run with it absolutely and you've, you've had you some know? experience over the last couple of days so has it all calmed down now like I mean can you go back and get yes, a sunbed and well, stuff like that there was um, there was an, um, a, a, small, a smaller one yesterday right. it was 4.7 it wasn't felt in Agadir town here it was more further north, but it wasn't. It did have a different epicenter. I see. Um, so it was further further north, but the it was deeper in the ground. So it, it's more shallow earthquakes that cause more more damage. Yes, indeed. So the one on Friday was only ten kilometers deep. Okay. 
the one yesterday was much deeper, so it wasn't felt as much. But it would have impacted rescue efforts with more buildings crumbling and that, you know. You you got to us this morning on a a very solid signal from where you're coming from, but there's phones down, there's power down, and there's water down. Yeah, absolutely. And you see, a lot of the media, we would hear more, I suppose, here from the locals and from the staff and that. But a lot of the news reports are saying it's Marrakesh, and it's actually not, it's outside of Marrakesh. And... so, like planes, airplanes, and everything are still landing into Marrakesh Airport. I see. Um, there's no, there's no disruption in that regard, and holidays are still going on, and life is going on. And I suppose at the end of the day as well, all these locals are relying on us tourists yes. for their income and yes. to be able to carry on. Yes. And they don't want people to get too scared, afraid of coming. I suppose that the, you know, the, the they thing don't is, want... Tracy, you know, they're terrible things and we look at the destruction up the road from yeah. there and the, the loss of life and the, the television pictures Absolutely. are horrific. It's what, horrific. What we all know from television is that you only see on television what is considered yeah. okay to show you. What you yes. I remember yeah. a, a former colleague of mine went out to the earthquake in Turkey last year to see it mm-hmm. for his own news organisation and I yeah. just rammed and he said PG he said you've no idea we can only show you 5% of what I'm seeing Yeah, he said this is horrific yeah. you've yeah. no idea what this is like you no. know, so we really have no idea what it's like we see on television but like, you, you guys are absolutely. safe safe and well we're, and, and move yeah. On tomorrow yeah absolutely we're, right. we're safe and well and um, very very grateful that we are Indeed. You know, it Indeed. it was it was an experience. Um, yeah, it was just so scary. And it, when I say it was literally twenty seconds, yeah. that's how fast it was. Yeah. You know, you, on movies, you see it happening, and it seems to go on forever on the movies. Yeah. But when you're here and in it, yeah, that's as fast as it was. But the devastation those twenty seconds colossal, it's unbelievable. Has caused oh my god! Like you mentioned, the ground cracks yeah. open. And everything standing yeah. within any distance of that crack goes through it. Tracy, safe yeah. home, safe home, and enjoy the rest of your holiday. Uh, that's Tracy Walker speaking to us live from Agadir uh, in Morocco, where the earthquake was a good distance from her the other night, but they were shaken to their bones in the bed in their apartment, and the apartment was shaken, and they got out, got out to the safety of the pool area and all of that. Now, Asia, um, you might, will you hold on for me for about two minutes? You're, you're home, Asia. You're, you're home and safe yeah. out of it. Okay. Can we just let me clear a commercial break here and we'll chat then. You mind? Thank Thanks. you. Cheers. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. Two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. I'm in love with the money. Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds to claim 2,000 euros. 2,000 euros. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. I'm getting money. Money, money, On Cork's 96 FM. So Asia, thank you for holding. I appreciate you being patient with us. You you were there when it happened, but you're home safe now. Good morning. 
Good morning. Uh, yes, that's correct. Um, I spent there the weekend and um, I was able to get home uh, just a few hours ago. Okay. What happened? What did you experience? Oh, uh, it was something really unexpected, something um, that is really hard to describe um, because I never experienced that before, um, as well as my colleagues. So we weren't really and prepared for that we didn't know what to do um all of a sudden all the um, all the lights went off the music was gone and the ground started to shake and it was a big jolt and we just felt scared and especially in that darkness close to the pools and everything and and that shaking you know it was uh, it was terrible it was mm. it was something that is really hard to describe unless you experience it yourself. Were you indoors or outdoors, Asia, when it's when it hit? Uh, we were dining outdoors uh, because I was um, I was at the big event um, that was organized uh, for for us by the company. It was like two thousand people located wow. in a few hotels around the Marrakesh. Okay. Um, I was lucky to be in the beautiful like five star hotel in ba- Balsero, which is. Um, it's about 18 kilometers from the uh, Marrakesh center. And um, according to the uh, news that I got, we were around 60 kilometers away from epicenter, yes. max 100, because I'm not sure how, like, you know, that was my first time in Morocco. Uh, so I don't know. Sure, sure. Those information I get got from locals. You said, and so did Tracy, that the shaking is something that you have to experience to understand. Describe it for me as best you can. Asia, what does it feel like when that starts? Um, so, the, the, the first is the panic because all the light and music is gone and you don't know what's happening. And there is this shaking. It's shaking of the ground. It's like you're standing on a jelly. Or if you, if you, can, if you can say if you're at the sea and there is a storm, if, you're, if you were ever on a ferry. Yes. But with a, uh, with a with a greater speed, like you know, it's 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 so quick, like you know, it's like the shake is like unbelievable, like it's. I see. It's so, so it's so like scary. oh, I got you. It's like being on a it's like like being on a ferry in a storm. Exactly. Except yes. you're on dry land. So, yes. That's an excellent description, Asia. Thank you for that. Wow. Unfortunately, I experienced that, and I can't. I, I I never forget that, you know. No, and, you won't. Um, my God! And what uh, happened then? Did it settle down after a little while? Uh, no, because we had uh, an aftershock just about twenty-three minutes later. Good. We were still in the darkness because we had like a dinner, and um, we were in the gardens. We had a candle on each table, so we could see a little bit. Uh, we still had the, um, our mobiles with us, so we had a little bit of light. Yes. And then we were informed what that, like everybody knew. Then after a while, you know, that was earthquake. And but we were informed to stay there, don't move. They tried to gather people all together. And the worst was that it happened after eleven. Some people after dinner returned to their apartments. Yes. And were there on their own, a pure darkness. No signal. Uh, Walls cracking uh, in my room when I returned there, like after hours, and uh, to check, um, there was only mirror cracked. You know, so yeah. that building was fine, and there were small buildings actually, so we were safer. We were very, very lucky with that uh, with that place. Where did you hotel. stay that night, Asia? Did you sleep outside? I think you slept on sandbags, did you? 
Uh, yes, so um, that's how Imer found me, actually. She saw a photo on the Facebook because a lot of friends were contacting me and the family. What, what happened? Where are you? How are you? You know, and and they were checking at me. So I just um, I just made a post on Facebook that everything is fine. We are staying outdoors, so we are safe. We were told that um, it is recommended that we stay outside. It's dangerous to go back to the buildings. Yes. And... Most of us stayed there for the night. Like, I stayed up. I, I couldn't sleep. Like, my friends, we couldn't sleep. So we were um, we were sitting and chatting. Like, you know, uh, we brought the blankets just, <laughs> you know, to, to stay warm and cozy. And uh, we were trying to be together, you know, and support each other. And... Um, uh, management. They they found the the people that were in the in the rooms. Um, it's not like we all could move and go for them, you know. Yeah. And um, it was a few people that were responsible uh, for us. They were going and uh, looking out for those that were stuck was, in their rooms. There they was nobody, nobody hurt us. where you were. Was there Asia? Nobody was hurt uh, physically, uh, yeah. but the guards that were coming back, they were like they were so afraid. You know, you can only imagine like darkness, no contact with anybody, and so some some you can hear the noise, some cracks, you know, from the and maybe from the like I said, mirror in our room it was. So I can imagine in other rooms the same, you know, and walls cracking, and so it, it wasn't it it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the best to be on on your own. It's but not something you're actually, gonna. It's not something you're gonna forget. In a hurry, Asia. I'll put it that way to you. You you mentioned being there with were you one of two thousand people? What was happening? What were you there for? Uh, yes, so I am a thermomix team leader in Cork, and um, so I basically um, introduced thermomix to the Irish family. And um, every year we have an event which is called VM. It's Borders International Hours Night. And this year, uh, Marat chosen as a place to meet. There were people from all around the world. Wow. So it's all, it's all that line is fading now. It's it's all people from the one company, the one global company, who meet somewhere every yes. year. Yes, and with 2,000 people and from USA to China and a lot from Europe. Mm. Uh, I was the representation uh, from from Ireland. And in our hotel, we had representations from UK as well. Wonderful. So, and what did, sorry, what's the name of the company again, Asia? Borrower and Thermomixes. It's the cooking robot. Okay. Well, look, you're home. How long have you been in, living in Cork? Uh, in Cork, uh, it's 14 years. 14 years. Well, you're home safe now. It's a trip you're not going to forget in a hurry. Would you go back to Morocco? Uh, I would. Mm. Uh, I would because I see um, the kindness of those people. You know, the, the light constructions in that hotel, like, you know, um, it kind of, um, they were destroyed a little bit. Those people never went to sleep. They were tidying up there. They were trying to console us. They were trying to support us as well. They were so kind, so warm. And I, they had no contact with their families. Yeah. They were upset. But they, they, they never showed work. us. Yeah, and okay. also, um, we have in our company um, uh, a man that is originally from Morocco. And, you know, when when we saw the WhatsApp group, he was asking, how are we? 
And we had to ask him how is his family because he was so caring. And these are Moroccan people that I was there only for three days. But that's what I experienced, the kindness. Yes. It's amazing. I would definitely go back there. And uh, I was only afraid yesterday that I won't make home because the flights were delayed. And there was actually another aftershock while we were in the plane. That's why we were sitting there in the plane for so long. And I didn't know what's happening until I landed. So we barely made another plane, you know. Well, well, I'm glad to know that you got back safely um, after that experience. That's Asia. Uh, lives in Cork last 14 years, was in Morocco for a corporate event with 2,000 people. Out of the company she works and was caught in the middle of it the other night. Nobody hurt, thankfully, but I think there's some description, isn't it? She said, it's like being on a ferry in a storm. The ground under you is like walking on jelly. That's an excellent description. Thank you for that, Asia. Alison, you're from Glenmar. You're still you're still in Agadir. Morning. Morning. Yeah, I am. Okay, so we're, we'll, we'll we'll see how how this line this line holds. You've been there. You're due home tomorrow. Yeah. What happened? What happened to you the other night? So we actually were having an early night, and we said we'd head up to the room and just kind of chill out. And I think. What we heard first was the seagulls. Like, I've never heard so many birds. And then the next minute was just a blur. Just everything was shaking. Just got out of bed and we just ran over by the bathroom and kind of hid underneath the doorway until it stopped shaking and kind of just grabbed our passports and a few a few things and just ran down outside the hotel. Basically, it was just like a blur. It was like a dream. How many of you were together? So it was myself and my mum and my dad. Okay. So three of us. Three of you. And you got into the doorway. It's like everyone's seen this on a movie. Get into a doorway or get under a table or, yeah. or something. Did, yeah. did you realise what was actually happening? At first, I actually thought it was my dad messing with me, shaking my bed. And then I jumped up and I goes... Or Craig and my mom, we at my mom and myself actually screamed or Craig at the same time, and we just all just ran together. It, was, it actually took a while to run over because it was shaking so much. Oh, really? We were on the top floor of the hotel, so <sighs> the the people in the hotel said we would have felt it more than say someone on the ground floor. And maybe can you put it into words for us what it felt like? Um, I. I, like I can't put it into words. It just feels like it was a dream. Like I just, it was such a blur. Like I know. I just feel so lucky that we got out okay. And sure. you got out, and, and like you got that. being on the top floor. I take it you didn't go for a lift. You went down the stairs, did you? No, no. Yeah, down the stairs. Yeah, no way. Okay, and and out straight down the street, out to reception, and then everyone was just outside and. We all kind of just waited and waited and then there was actually no management on that night but there was um, a man from the hotel and he was great. He calmed us all down um, saying that this happens maybe twice a year but never this bad. And so we were outside the hotel till about half five that morning, five um, because they were worried about aftershocks that they didn't want anyone to go back into the hotel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we re- eventually went back, but basically, basically we were told that you're going back at your own risk. But the locals would have said that you're 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 okay because you know 
Yeah. A big aftershock would have happened by now, so that kind of way, thank God it didn't, but... So, have you been able to sleep the last couple of nights? Um, No, not really. Like, last night, now was kind of... It kind of just hit, everything hit us last night. Um, I think we were up in the room by like half eight. We just like I felt physically sick, so I think it was a shock just leaving the system. Um, it's just all the deaths would just make your heart break. It just I know. and you, how you far do you know, Alison? How far away you are from from where all those horrible things have happened? Um, not I. I don't exactly know, but. Okay. Not that far, I think. Like, like we're just outside Marrakesh. Right. I think we're like a half an hour outside Marrakesh. So I could only imagine what people felt inside Marrakesh, what we felt here, that we were a good bit away from it. Like, I know. I know. same. It's the very same with with Tracy and with Asia. You know, that split twenty seconds that they felt it. What must it have been like to to? Yeah, the, I can't imagine my heart. Can't, my heart can breaks. You can't, you can't. My heart breaks for all the people over here, all the Americans. Yeah. So so many, so many just, hundreds of people who went to bed like anybody else ever does on a night, yeah. and and then never woke up, never got out of bed again. It's yeah, you horrible. just you just even see like the people working in the hotel when it happened on their phone to their families to make sure they were okay. It was just heartbreaking. Yeah. When are you due back, Alison? Tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow night into Dublin. And and would you go back to Morocco? Um, it's lovely over here. Don't get me wrong; the people are so nice. It's mm-hmm. lovely, but for what I experience, I don't think I would be rushing back. Yeah. But it's lovely. It is lovely. It was a great holiday until it happened. I you know, know. I know. I know. Do you mind Every me? Time, ask, do you mind me asking what age you are? I'm 27. 27. You're young enough, you know. You'll go back there and you'll see it again. I think you will. Probably, but I don't think anytime soon if I, because <laughs> I just got an awful shock. <laughs> well, listen, get home and get home safe. Uh, it'll be one you'll Thank remember. Thank you. One you'll remember. Thanks. Thanks for talking to me this morning. That's live again from Morocco. Alison Daly from Glenmire, who's due home tomorrow. We've had three people on who've been close enough to feel it, but thankfully not close enough to be involved in the the real serious death and injury that's been out there. But uh, Tracy and Asia and Alison all felt it. They all described it really well. Tracy said that, like, the whole bed shook, the whole room shook. And then Asia said it's a bit like standing on a ferry in a storm and the ground underneath you feels like jelly. It's just, you, you can't... Can you place yourself in that kind of a moment and wonder what it must be like? Thank you to the three ladies for speaking to me this morning, uh, for describing what it was like out there. And our thoughts have got to go to the families and all the people who were at the heart of that earthquake area. Uh, and what you see on the television is only what the television pictures can show us. Because television has to keep a certain sense of decorum. It can't show us everything it sees. Reporters can't show us everything they catch on film. It's it's just horrific. I remember I had a, a pal who went out to do an aid run to the Turkish earthquake, and he rang me. He was in tears. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. He said, "You're not even. You're not hearing twenty percent of it on the news." 
the devastation of the earthquake. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Thanks to the three ladies. There's another thing though. This is yeah. Is it twenty? Just reading this this morning. Like where we're speaking of natural disasters and things like that, but then they have the world's worst ever terror attack happened on this day twenty two years ago. This day two thousand and one. Uh, would be a few hours from now. It, news broke this side of the world around lunchtime. Uh, 22 years ago today, the attack on the World Trade Center. And read at the weekend on the Associated Press website that they are still identifying bodies from 9-11. The remains of two people, I'm reading here, the remains of two people who died in the 9-11 attack have been identified. The latest positive identification in the decades-long effort to return victims to their families. A thousand victims to this day remain unidentified. That's, that's unimaginable. Unimaginable. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing. Focus solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96 FM. The Teddy Daly Memorial in aid of pancreatic cancer research will take place on Sunday the 17th of September. A virtual event. People are encouraged to get involved by walking, running, cycling or your activity of choice and help raise vital funds for breakthrough cancer research. To donate and to register, go to breakthroughcancer.ie. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. I do want to lighten the mood in just a sec. The disaster in Morocco is terrible and it's sad and all of those things. But I do want to lighten the mood a little bit in just a minute. Are you one of these people who wears these extraordinarily long fingernails? I assume they're acrylic. I assume they're not your own. I don't know about these things. But they're really, really, really long. You know, they're there. And you're, Tanya Sweeney was writing about that at the weekend. I'll talk to her in just a sec. But, but here's the thing. Here's a developing story. I wonder, because I watch his program and I read his books and, you know, you either love or hate him. I enjoy Piers Morgan. I'm going to say that straight out and up front. I enjoy him. Um, his books are great. But he had an interview last night with Rubiales, the Spanish football president. It's three weeks on. It feels like three months. It's three weeks on since the Jenny Hermoso story, where you'll remember the night of the day of the World Cup in celebrations afterwards. He grabbed her by the head and kissed her full on the lips. Uh, she said afterwards that it wasn't consensual. And uh, she has filed a police report. And he is being investigated, possibly for sexual assault. The women say they won't play for Spain again uh, while he remains in office. And um, it's just been a fallout for the last couple of weeks. You, you kind of think it had gone away. It hadn't. And on his uncensored program on Talk TV, uh, Piers Morgan had an interview with uh, Ruby Alice and I don't know whether Piers Morgan knew he was going to do this um, Morgan very rarely asks a question to which he doesn't already know the answer but this is what happened on his show last night there comes a point perhaps when the pressure is just so relentless that you do think about what you should do 
with yourself and your future. Many people think you should resign as president. What are you going to do? Yes, I'm going to do. I'm going, You're going to resign? Yeah, I'm going to. Yes, because I cannot continue my work. What was the final moment for you? Was it talking to your family, your dad perhaps? Uh, yeah, my, my, my father, uh, my daughters, I spoke with, with them. Some friends, very, very close to me. So there's a worldwide sports story this morning that broke last night. Ruby Alice has resigned. He announced his resignation on television. Um, big story this morning in the sports world. 0818 96 96 96. Lot of sport at the weekend. But <laughs> I read this with a big smile on my face because you see them around. These, and look, they can look gorgeous in the right occasion. They can look fabulous done up for a big sort of long goona night kind of thing and flowers in the hair and all that kind of they can look but they don't look so good in, in an office you wonder how do people type with two inch nails how do people unload the dishwasher with two inch nails how do you do the gardening and like Surely none of these people are wearing contact lenses or they'd go blind trying to put them in and out. Tanya Sweeney's been writing about it. Good morning, Tanya. Good morning. I, they're just the most impractical thing known to man or stroke woman, aren't they? Yeah, well, they're, sometimes they're called, you know, the stiletto nail, which is a really good um, name because obviously stiletto heels are pretty much the same thing insofar as they're aesthetically pleasing. They're meant to make your legs look longer and slimmer and all the rest of it, except they're totally impractical. Mm. I don't know how anybody walks with them. And the same goes with the stiletto nails. They look lovely. Well, well, people do, and and they train themselves up pretty much, you know. But, but yeah, no, it's the same with the nails, you know. And, you know, I think it's a thing where, you know, they look gorgeous. Like you say, they make your hands look longer and more kind of glamorous and all the rest of it. But I always kind of, you know, I'm I'm, I'm sitting in, you know, a coffee shop or I'm at Lidl or I'm wherever, and I can hear the click on on screens or on this, and I'm like... How do they manage to get anything done, you know, because I don't I don't grow my nails very long, you know, because I'm on a keyboard for most of the day. Mm. So I don't want that kind of clack, clack, clack situation going on. But I'm just kind of watching these younger and it's and it's often the kind of younger, you know, girls who 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 really kind of buy into it, you know, and I wanted to kind of explore that in last weekend's column, you know, why it happens. Yeah. Um. So I started to kind of look into it a little bit, you know, and now a lot of it is like all style a sort of, you know, self-expression and a creative thing and there's lovely nail art and all the rest of it. But a lot of the time it is just, you know, that thing, like I say, you know, an attempt to make your, your hands look more feminine and, and your fingers longer. And, and years ago, it was obviously a um, a sign that you didn't have to do any manual work. So they were quite kind of um, aspirational. And I suppose they still are, you know, mm. to some degree. I think the funniest thing is to see them on a on a telephone screen by tapping out texts or WhatsApps, like, and do not get mm. in the way. You lose your not. You lose an eye if you get near. Yeah, <laughs> going like Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> That's actually for Edward Scissorhands is a pretty. I mean, it's funny because Cardi B, you know, has. A, I mean, they're about five or six inches. You know, they're 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 extremely long. And someone put up something online going, "How do you change a nappy?" Because she has a young child. Yes, and she did an online video tutorial with the long nails doing the nappy on a teddy bear. You know. <laughs> And I remember looking at the comments and it turned out that if you if you freeze it, she does actually poke the eye out of the teddy bear at one point, you know. So <laughs> it's, I don't know, I think you need to take your life into your own hands well, once you start doing stuff like that. Contact you know? so lenses. I don't know how anyone gets anything done. You know what? Contact lenses. 
Oh, like, sure, forget how? it. Forget it. You, you might in, as well in, just be pinging it out. In, in, the, in the paper, you you say, how the hell do you insert a tampon with one of these things? Oh, I, I mean, I talk about I shudder to think. You I do mean, yourself it's permanent. I want to dwell on for too long. <laughs> Exactly. You would end up in A and E if you didn't know what you were doing, like you know. So, but yeah, no. I mean, I, I kind of look at them and they're and I'm sort of mesmerised by them, you know. And like I say, there's there's all these kind of young women, and they know how to, you know, like I say, do the phone and 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 make things and do things. And I'm mm. just salute them. I'm I'm tip tipping my hat to them because. Like I say, you know, it's not a skill set I have and I just find it, you know, incredible, you know. Mm. Um, I mean, it's so glamorous and, but you know, and, and that's the way beauty kind of trends always happen. You know, they're obviously up at the A-list with the Kardashians and then the next thing they kind of trickle down to to the, you know, kind of D-list celebrities and then they come down to the, <laughs> the regular people, which these this trend has done now, you know. Yeah, yeah, and they're done in nail bars, fancy nail bars. I mean, or can you do them at home? Yeah. I mean, I think, you can, look, I've never had an acrylic nail or a shellac nail. And I have friends of mine who do them all the time, you know, I think you can do them at home on your own. Do you need a machine? I'm not really sure. But I think a lot of people do go just to nail bars and get them done, you know. Yeah. Did, you, did someone say to you that um, they could be considered a form of cultural appropriation, which is a model I think well, you must watch I for think, with everything? I think originally... Yeah, well, I mean, I, I I don't know if anyone said it to me, but I think I've seen online that especially now with the, the rise of kind of, you know, we'll say the Kardashians and all that. I mean, like the very, very long acrylic nails would have been a kind of a staple in African-American and black culture, you know. And, and, and there's been a huge kind of conversation going on about how, you know, people like the Kardashians and, and various other kind of um, celebrities are appropriating black culture with, you know, cornrows and, and the nails and all the rest of it. And, you know, I, I, I assume the people who are bringing up this issue, you know, have a point, you know, mm. um, it's definitely been an ongoing conversation, you know, but, um, but yeah, like I say, it has, it has kind of become um, much more kind of popular than just within that particular yeah. kind of, you know, one culture. I mean, I see them in, in Kildare, like, you know, so um, it's, it's, it's air, they're airborne, you oh, know, yeah. and, and I can see why. Well, you can know. see them I in Starbucks here in Cork, like, all the time, yeah. Um, well, exactly, yeah. like, yeah. Did, did, did your daughter frighten the life out of you by looking for them or something like Oh God, no! Well, she she found some old pistachio shells. You know, the little they look like little, and she just put one on her. Now I don't know where she got the idea from because you know, like I don't, I wouldn't be sitting there now with with my nails done or anything like that. You know, but she put them on and she was like, you know, looking at her her nails very admir- admiringly. And I was like, oh, wow, where did she even pick this up? Like, you know, it's just in the in the air. You know, you just it's it's through osmosis, really. You know. <laughs> All right, listen, good talking. The article is in The Independent on the Independent website. Tanya Sweeney on stiletto nails. No, Emer was trying to... I doesn't know how anyone would wear them. Uh, I obviously don't know how anybody would wear them. Um, both my daughter and my missus like to do nails from time to time, but they don't do big yokes like that. Like <laughs> Anyone listening to me who uses them? Yeah, how do they manage in the bathroom? How do you... How do you clean yourself after going in the toilet without doing yourself an injury? How? Like, and how do you change a nappy? Not on a teddy bear, but on an actual living, breathing child. And we never quite found out about the tampon.
I don't even want to think about that. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. So you're getting some messages about Morocco. I'll come back to them in a while. Uh, Dee says, I always have long nails I get mine done every three weeks and and I'm no I'm 63 and then uh, Shiona is it Shiona she says I always have long nails except when they break she sent a picture they're natural I don't bother getting them done well they're not as long as the fake ones they're pretty long too for natural nails of course they are long aren't they and yes I've done gardening and all sorts of things with them I don't find them a hindrance I guess not when you're growing your own Shiona you don't but those big long acrylic ones I don't know how you get around with them Um, yes PJ could you please give a good shout out to the dog owner who allowed their dog to make a big pile of poo in our driveway early Friday morning and then just walked away and left it there Friday is our bin day so I had to endure the sight and smell of it when I was bringing my bin in usually someone walking their dog in around an estate does so for the purpose of letting them poo and the least they could do is go prepared with the bags and be willing to pick it up as a responsible owner should. Unbelievably, only 82 dog fouling fines nationwide in 2022. So there are no deterrents. Thanks, PJ. From a resident, a very disgruntled resident of Blintown Heights in Glenmire. Yeah, you see, the problem is the fining of people for their doggy doo-doo, you kind of have to catch dog and owner in the act if you know what I'm getting at and it is quite difficult to do that I'm sure someone up was it County Longford a few years ago someone came up with the idea of maybe DNA I'm serious DNA testing samples but I don't think it got anywhere I didn't think it would 0818 96 96 96 still send in the pictures of your nails if you've got um if you've got big nails there's big nails there's big egos I'm, I'm a big fan of that young tennis sensation Coco Goff I've kind of watched her since she was about 16 she started coming on the scene she won her first ever Grand Slam at the weekend the, the US Open I didn't see the match but she beat Ariana Sablinka in three sets to win her first ever Grand Slam she's 19 years of age the kid's got a huge huge future but Eurosport picked up on Sabalenka breaking her racket or smashing her racket. She got her runners-up trophy, she put it into her bag and then she went to, and then she grabbed one of her rackets and smashed it on the ground. Like, sorry, no, but get over yourself. You're going to number one in the world this Monday morning. Get, get over yourself. Do you know? Actually, sporting gestures at the weekend, I, I mentioned it at the very start obviously watched the Irish match on Saturday we're always going to win that match and always going to win it well but definitely the highlight of the tournament so far for me anyway as a, as a viewer was Wales and Fiji which I watched last night it was absolute stonker of a rugby game it was really really exciting and entertaining 
Fiji nearly did it. Fiji had every chance of doing it. But there was a great sporting moment in it where the Fijians went over the line and it could have been a try, but the Fijian player called a foul on himself and told the referee he'd knocked the ball on. It was such a such a scrum huddle getting over the line. If he'd claimed the try, he'd probably have got the try. But he didn't. He called a he called a foul on himself. That's real sporting behaviour. Oh eight one eight I know I'm ranting. 0818 96 96 96. Now let me go to to Linda. And uh, we got, I'm just looking at some photographs, Linda. Um, she really is. Ava Boo. Ava, she really is a little miracle, isn't she? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Great. Isn't she really? Yeah, she a miracle? certainly is. Tell, tell, me the sto- yeah. tell me the story. How old is she now? Okay, so she turned 16 um, on Friday. Right. And basically, obviously, 16 years ago, I found well over 17 years ago, maybe. Um, I found out I was pregnant. Um, was back and forth having, you know, the usual scans. Um, went in and had my 20th scan, um, or 20 week scan, I should say. Mm-hmm. And um, the most amazing um. Obstetrician, um, her, she was just absolutely fantastic. Louise Kenny, she was just staring at the the screen, and I knew straight away there was something wrong. And she just told me sit down, and my husband was with me, and she said, "Look, there's something growing at the back of the baby's head. Right. We don't know what it is." So I kind of took from there, really, PJ. Um, we were sent straight over to the main hospital in the CUH where they proceeded to do scans. Um, started like a pea size, then it went kind of like an orange and it was just growing. So I was transferred to the coom in Dublin. And I suppose, look, what Louise Kenny said to me um, was that it looked like spina bifida. Mm. Um, so she said, it's not looking good. So I went home and I cried for three days solid. Literally, just mm-hmm. cried. There was just... There's nothing no one could say to me to make me feel better. But all I can say is after three days, I have no idea, PJ. All I can say was like a flick of a switch. I knew everything was going to be fine. Even though I was being told the worst things ever, I'm convinced it was the baby inside me saying, look, I'm actually okay, man. Everything is actually cool. (laughs) But a kind of... It was every week that I was back and forth to the CUH, getting tested, you know. I'd get a lot of MRIs um, while I was carrying her. Um, I was. The only thing I was getting was a lot of UTIs, so I was on a few antibiotics at the time. And when what she, had, had they diagnosed or had they told you what this no, thing was? Because I have photographs here and it's kind of frightening yeah, looking thing. Yeah. No one knew. No one knew. No, no one actually knew what it was. So the, the, there was the master of the coom at the time and I had to go up and stay in there. Um, and I actually signed myself out, PJ, because it was the most horrific experience I ever went through because it was like, for all the words, it was like the last supper. There was a table in the middle of the ward and all of the pregnant women had to go around the table and sit at the table and have their supper. And really? like at that stage, I yeah, it was what, very bizarre. 16 years ago? Yeah, it was bizarre. And I saw no one and I was just being scanned. It was on one of those 3D scans. So 
I told the nurse, I said, my husband was over in a hotel. I said, I need to get out of here. I said, I feel very stressed. So long story short, I went and I stayed at the hotel. And the next morning I had my scan. Now, bear in mind, I was 35 weeks pregnant and they were going to actually take Ava from me on the 38 week. So he proceeded. How do you mean take her? You were going to what? Have her? No, as in take her out of me. Like, as you see, they couldn't take her out to a normal section. No. So I had to be cut Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'd be kind of... Oh, even, in, even, in, even in normal, even an ordinary caesarean wouldn't do, no? No, the okay. tumour was just too big. Oh, my... Yeah, because yeah, the pictures I have in front of me here, like, at one point it wasn't... It was almost... It was almost the size of her head again, God help her. It was like a second head. My yeah, God, basically. Yeah. So, basically, um, I was going around saying everything is fine, um, which wasn't after... Just family came to me afterwards to say that I was... You know, we were really worried because we thought you were in denial. And when I was 35 weeks pregnant, the doctor, the master of the coon, told me that the tumour had burst into Ava's brain and that she was 99.9% brain damage if she was to survive birth. They were his words. So the nurse came over, put her arm around me. Um, he just proceeded to wash his hands. And I said, hang on, so doctor, I said, you're telling me that she is that it's actually after bursting into our brain and she's 99. He said, yes, he said. And he said, that's if she's going to survive. Um, that's very birth. reassuring, was it? Yeah. So I walked into the lift and my husband was telling me to kind of pull myself together in terms of, I kept saying everything is fine. And he was like, no, 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 this is actually real. You know, this is actually real. And I, I can remember it. I just went, trust me. I said, she's fine. Because at that stage we knew it was a girl, and um, he said fine. So we were due up then to the coom, and I thank, I thank the Lord so much, BJ, because I went in. I didn't have a clue. Uh, my husband Roy's um, father had a massive heart attack the week before, so he was in hospital, and he was fighting for his life. Mm. I went into labour here in Cork, had to ring um, the CUMH. They were going to airlift me to Dublin. But Ava was determined she wanted to be a court girl. So <laughs> literally, we, we we had her here. So I was put in, I was knocked out. They had Beaumont. She was going to be taken straight to Beaumont to the neurologist. They had them lined up. So they literally, I was put under general anaesthetic. First viewing of Ava was a picture, a Polaroid picture. And basically, I just remember Roy saying, everything is fine. And I, I just, I kind of went, what? I kind of went, I knew it, you know, that kind of a way. Mm. So basically what it was, PJ, is that it didn't burst into our brain. So if you picture, you know, your the old sinks, the, like, the, they're like the white bathroom sinks. Yes. So that's, that's like a protection around Ava's brain. So what the tumour done is actually pushed in against it, but it didn't burst in, like he told me. So my lovely... Um, Guiney here, Louise Kenny, had the pleasure of ringing him in the coom and saying, basically what you told, you know, Linda was wrong and the baby is actually not, you know, she's not brain dead. Um, mm. She's very much uh, alert. So basically what happened was that she was just taken to Crumlin. Um, and I kind of went from there. Still no were, one knew what was going were on. Were they able to just remove it cleanly? No. Oh. So if you look at the picture, PJ, the first picture has a massive vein. 
so that vein you can see it it's feeding the tumor yes so yeah if you can see you can see it in the photograph so you can. basically that i thought it was hair could, until you pointed out to me what it is yes yeah basically the that was feeding her so she was actually very anemic and she also was in a hip harness because she had um dodgy hips okay so it was it was very hard to actually even change her because you couldn't lay her down because obviously this thing could have ulcerated at any stage so that meant that she would have bled to death so she was kind of on a high watch in Crumlin um, as you can see, some of the photograph there, you can see it ulcerating. Yeah. So, The one yeah. of them looks particularly nasty, particularly, as you'd say, angry looking. Angry looking, that's the word. But they made a helmet for her in Crumlin. And um, the, helmet, the helmet actually made it worse. Okay. So I can only say that they weren't going to give up. They were determined to find out what the hell this thing was. So eventually... Um, they discovered that it was a massive ball of vessels um, and it was called a rapid involute congenital hemangioma. Right, so in short, it was a rich, so rapid involute congenital hemangioma. And basically basically what it is, which is weird, so at the time she was under two professors and one of the professors said to me, she actually doesn't know that it is so rare for this to happen in the womb, normally there's a hemangiomas, which are like, um, you know, the strawberry kind of lumps you'd see on babies there sometimes. They're like, they could grow in the cheek or they could grow in the back of the head. Yes. They form after six months of a baby's, of a baby after being born. But for this to happen, she wasn't sure whether Ava was a half a twin and did something happen okay. in the womb. Yeah. It was very bizarre, you know. And so I suppose, look, it was kind of, they they didn't know how to actually, they couldn't operate because she would have bled to death. And it was very much send her file off to America. It was like, I'm trying to think for myself, trying to break it down into a, it was like a ball, like a massive ball of blood vessels. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. You could actually squeeze this PJ and... Like, I didn't, obviously, but I remember the doctor at the time in Crumlin squeezed it and he would just squeeze, he, he could squeeze it in his hand and then when he opened his hand, it would blow up again into a big, um, like what, what you see in front of you in the yeah. photographs. Like a big, like um, a big, what is it? Like, a, and it was, like, I'm trying to impress on listeners who haven't seen the pictures. Like, this is, if you can imagine a newborn's head, how tiny that is. And this thing is almost the same size. Attached to it, yeah, a yeah. ball, a big ball of blood vessels. Very, yeah, very delicate. Very and you know, I was weird. I it's weird that I actually found all her reports. You know, and mm-hmm. I said to myself, Jesus, did I? Do we actually go through that? It's it's very hard to put into words. But you know, we were one of the lucky ones, PJ, and we were very fortunate because we saw some. Like my husband was up in Cromlin for six weeks while mm-hmm. I was in Cork trying to heal. Um, because I had 35 staples in my stomach and it was it was very tough because I also had another child at home and it was just, it was mad stuff. But, you know, I had, good, I had really good family and support around me so I kind of had to, I remember Lord of Mercy on my mother, I, I moved in with my mum and she said, girl, you need to go up and see your baby. 
because I was fretting at this stage, you know. So when I got to Crumlin, then it was just kind of, it was why to leave my husband come back here to Cork because we had a business to run. And then my sister-in-law came with me. So it was very um, scary because yeah. we didn't know what, to, what was going to happen. I was, when I was actually pregnant with her, I was told I had options. I was, you know, you've got an option. You couldn't get rid of the baby. Um, then I was offered the, um, I can never pronounce it, you know, where they send a big needle into the stomach mm-hmm. to find out. I said no, because I said, regardless, I'm going to love the child. I said, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't going to risk anything. So um, a French doctor came back and said, try the baby on a very high dose of steroids. Mm. So that's what they done. And you will see the the last photograph, it just started to involution. It just started to literally get smaller and smaller yeah, and smaller. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. After two years then, it was just gone. It just... Well, it was... Visually, it was gone, but you can... Like, she still has a big kind of dent. Right. Um, and loose skin around it. Right. Um, but, yeah, it, like... Total miracle. And I how mean, is she? Does it, to- does it affect her in any way now? She, I mean, she so, grows her hair over it, does she? Yeah, so basically we, we were told that she was going to be extremely slow because she was on such high-dose steroids. Slow, she's PJ. She's like mm. a fox. You couldn't you couldn't <laughs> get cuter. Like, she's a rogue. Um, she's just done her, her junior start waiting for her results. She's into sport. She just loves mm-hmm. acting and filmmaking and all that. She's does just does she have to be careful in any way? Does she know about this thing that was on her? Oh yeah, she, she she knows about it. And we done two big massive. I promised. I said, please God, if she just you know, please help her to be okay. And if so, I promised to do you know two charity events, um, mm. one for Crumlin and one for CUH. And we did, I had the most fantastic team of girls from Mallow and Buttervent than I used to teach dancing at the time, mm-hmm. used to teach Zumba. So we did, I think we raised between the two of them, I think it was 15,000, um, just basically holding a Zumba night yeah. for, for, for the, each year, you know. But um, I just wanted to give back to the, because they were absolutely outstanding in Crumlin and in the CUH. Mm. Um, so she does, look, it's, it's, she is aware of it. And um, we had to go back into Crumlin when she was 10. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, and we had, we had we, were, we were actually in Temple Street, even though it was this year in the CUH, the day of our birthday on Friday. Um, and they were really, really happy with our day. Because... You just can't believe it. Like everyone is like, I always remember we were invited to a, um, a convention up in Crumlin, and Ava is written into the medical uh, literature of Harvard, um, Harvard to help other babies. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It was such a rare. One of the most famous medical schools happened. in the United States, like. Yeah, literally. So I kind of had to sign a load of forms and stuff like that, and I just said, "Listen, if she can help one person and one family, mm. then fantastic." Um, and I always remember there was a doctor up there and they were coming in from China. They were coming in from all over the world. And he came up to me and he said, do you want, do you realize how much of a miracle your daughter is? And I actually looked at him. I said, I actually do. I said, I'm actually so grateful that we're just very lucky, mm. you know, and we were very lucky, PJ. You can know? can we wind the tape back a little bit um, to the very start mm-hmm. of our conversation, Linda, where you mentioned yeah. to me that. You went home and you cried for three days and yeah. then you had a moment in which you said, yeah. everything's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Have, have you ever wondered what that moment was or how you were able to get that thought and plant it so firmly in your head? To me, it just sounds like Mammy Bear's instinct, but it's got to be more than that. Look, I, I laugh because my husband calls me a witch. Like, <laughs> I'd be dreaming, I'd dream of something, go, don't tell me because it's going to come through. But I literally, I can't explain it, PJ. The only, the only thing I can say to you is that my sister-in-law, I always remember my sister-in-law saying to me, Jesus, Linda, you were buying cots and you were buying bottles and we <clears> all thought you were in denial because you were told that she was going to be brain dead. And I said, I just genuinely, on my hand and heart, I just think it was her. I think she was inside me. Yeah. I know people roll their eyes up now, but... I'm not too sure that they will, you know. Of, I'm not too sure that yeah, they will. Yeah, weird. Like, like I, something I've learned from listening to mothers and dads, but mums particularly, telling me their stories, all kinds of stories, is when mammy knows, mammy knows. Mm. I, I yeah. never ignore. It's one thing, and I think a lot of young doctors now understand it better than the previous generation. Never ignore Mammy. Yeah. Never ignore her because she, if she says some, if she says she thinks something's up, at least check for it. Yeah, a hundred percent. But this was even stronger. Like I would have, I would have a very good. Um, intuition BJ I'd kind of know like I'd be like no don't go there or you know I just know but this was different this was this feeling was so strong that it was just like a flick of a switch yeah. it was like you had your time now ma'am to cry now I'm all right let's let's roll on you know wow. it was weird it was bizarre you maybe it was I don't know yeah she she's she's I would call Ava an old soul She's got a very, there's something, both of them, like, they're, like there's something very special about her. Because most 16-year-olds, um, you try and tell a story like that, ah, Jesus, ma'am, ah, ma'am, no, come on now. No, but no? Yeah, 
No, no, she kind of, she's, she's very much, um, she just knows things like, like sometimes I stand and like I could be in the kitchen now and I could be freaking out over something stupid out, PJ. Mm. And then she'll just put everything into perspective for me. She, it's not it's weird, you know, it's just very strange. There's something about her, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's why I kind of think sometimes, yeah, this was her telling me when I was carrying her. And like the one thing I didn't do, PJ, which I'm thankful of, is I didn't go on Google because they told me that it was a, they, in their opinion, they thought it was a thing called a teratoma, mm. which is where uh, hair, teeth, all yeah. body parts can grow inside yeah. in this kind of thing. So I didn't bother going on Google because I knew if I went on Google, I would have been a basket case um, because it would have probably told me the worst of the worst, you know. So I tend, I kind of stayed away from it, you know. Well, a a doctor friend has always said to me, I'll back my medical degree against Dr. Google's any day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Dr. Dr. Google, (laughs) if you want to frighten the living life out of yourself... Try Dr. Mm. Google. Linda, it's wonderful. Oh, sure, listen, it's, it's just gas. It's, it's gas. Like, it, it, and, and she's often waiting for the junior certain. Is she waiting starting, for the is junior she, is she going to school? She's in school, yeah. She's in Sculvera and she is oh, no, in or, transition. Over the road, so, yeah. Oh, literally across the road. Um, right. She's currently in bed because she's actually very sick with a sore throat. Okay. Um, but I think everyone everyone is sick at the moment because of the changing of the weather and stuff. Yes. But, um, yeah, no, she's in great form. Right. She's got uh, her two sisters and she, she'll be a lovely celebration at the weekend. Um, and, and yeah, it was lovely to have family. And, and they were her, telling you, know? you, they were telling you, they were telling you to give up. Well, literally, right. literally. I mean, it was just, that's why I'm saying to anyone out there that's going through stuff, always try and have a bit of hope. And I know yeah. that's kind of a cliche, but you know, always try and have hope because you know what? Miracles actually do happen. Yeah. We're gone way over our time, Linda, but thank you so much. What a fabulous story and our best to Ava. 16. We've had loads of stories like this in the past, really. Good children. Back in the 70s and 80s, like, Ava would never have survived. And, you know, parents were told that their babies wouldn't survive or that they'd be brain dead. Or, and they're still with us. Do you know, um, some fa- fascinating stories out there. They're still with us all these years later, perfectly healthy, many of them. Have you got a story like that? Um, there's lots of people out there who, they were given up for dead, uh, or their moms were told to give them up for dead, but they didn't, and they stuck with it. And 0818969696, or text or WhatsApp 083 396-9696. I put the whole thing into an email for me. Opinion at 96fm.ie. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Fox96FM. So, from one incredible story about a baby who's now 16 year old. To another, and indeed, Linda, or Katie, rather, your story is so unique, you've actually written a book about it, because certainly uh, it's it's a tale worth writing down. Uh, The book is called Heads or Tales. Good morning to you, Linda, and welcome. Hi, PJ, how are you doing? Good. You were diagnosed in 
When? 2015 with a... It's got a big long name. Craniopharyngioma. That's right. Yeah, What's I was that like, when it's at home? Um, I was diagnosed with a benign congenital tumour. Um, uh, I've had the tumour my whole, whole life, but it was only discovered then. Um, my symptoms were distorted vision, excruciating headaches, a tingling numbness in my foot. So um, I won't go into all the details, but I was basically um, rushed to the hospital after passing out at home. And, then and how long said, had you had symptoms? I had symptoms, you see, they were infrequent headaches. So, and I just started a new job and I was doing herbal fertility treatment. So I said maybe it was a combination of them. Uh, the factor is if, if the headaches had been more frequent, I would have been more concerned. But I was getting only, say, one headache every few weeks. But they escalated the last week of May in 2015. Um, and after passing out at home, then in South Dock, because I'd been to South Dock earlier on in the week, and they, they, uh, they couldn't say for sure, but they said it sounds like a bad migraine, but that if my symptoms got worse to go to A&E. Mm. So when I went back to South Dock, in hindsight, after passing out of home, I should have just gotten an ambulance, but you're not sure what to do at that stage. So uh, South Dock, I passed out there and they sent me to the ED department in CUH mm-hmm. and they did a CT scan and that showed that I had, um, all they could see in the CT scan was a mass mm-hmm. and uh, a cyst. So they did um, a drainage procedure that night to drain the cyst. An MRI the next day showed that I had, that was when I was diagnosed with the craniofringioma. So then I was informed about that, about the tumour. Obviously, totally shocking situation when you've never been in hospital or being told at 36 years of age that you have this very dangerous brain tumour. And they said they'd be operating on the Sunday and that the operation would take four to five hours in your own head. It wasn't cancerous, Katie, no? It wasn't cancerous. It was benign, thankfully. Mm. Um, but again, very dangerous if, if not treated straight away, especially with the headaches and because my eyesight was being affected with the distorted vision. So they did a craniotomy on the Sunday and they managed to get uh, most of the tumour. There was a tiny bit that was very close to the hypothalamus that they couldn't actually remove. It would have been too dangerous. Mm-hmm. So my recovery was very slow and... Um, my memory was very weak for a long time. It still isn't uh, what it used to be, my short-term memory. Mm. Um, but I was thinking about going back to work then in September um, and my vision got blurry and this was different to before because it had been distorted before. Um, I eventually got to CUH after going to my opticians because I said maybe I need glasses or something, but uh, they said they could see a shadow in the back of my eyes to go to A&E straight oh, away. Nice. Again, after another MRI... Uh, they said that the um, that they needed to that the craniofringioma had returned that the cyst had re-sprouted wow. was the way they put it. So I needed a second craniotomy, and um, again I was in absolute shock because uh, I, Katie, I had to. Was that because of the bit that they had to leave because it would be too dangerous to take it out? Was it because of that that it grew again? Yeah, and the cyst re- re-sprouted as well because of that. It yeah. It's a strange scenario, like it's like your body trying to protect yourself. The cyst was well, actually re-sprouted to protect the body against the tumour, but the cyst okay. was doing me more harm because it was filling up with fluid. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so they did another craniotomy to my shock and horn. This time they put in a shunt so that they could drain it uh, without having to um, have a major operation. Um, so my recovery was faster this time because um, 
I was now, my body was used to the steroids. I'm steroid dependent mm. because my body doesn't produce cortisol anymore. And um, it wasn't such a shock because I'd passed out twice the first time, whereas this time I was caught very early. And, you know, yeah. um, so my recovery Taking was... Taking steroids long term isn't good for you at all. Yeah. But you had yeah. no choice. Hmm? No, I have no choice. Um, I know there are autoimmune, there are autoimmune suppressants or... Um, but yeah, my body doesn't produce cortisol, which is the stress hormone which your body needs if if you have any kind of infection or if you're sick. So I have to take the you know the the actual produced version of them. And thankfully, it's only a small dose I'm on. I have to take twice a day. Okay. I'm also on thyroid medication because my thyroid was affected, and mm-hmm. my body no longer produces estrogen. So I have to take um, at the moment I'm on the contraceptive pill. So. So, you then, had you, were you told, Casey, that you could forget about ever having a baby? Basically, I was told, I wasn't told to forget about it. I was told that I couldn't have it naturally. Right. And um, after that situation, I actually had to have a, another brain operation in Beaumont and then radiotherapy. So I had to, um, I had to make sure the shunt didn't work even though they'd inserted it, the, the cyst came back a third time and it wasn't aligned with the shunt. So I had to be sent to Beaumont to get an operation done via my nose so that they, they knew I needed radiotherapy at that stage. And they said, you need to go to Beaumont. So thankfully, uh, long story short, I, I recovered well from the operations and the 28 sessions of radiotherapy mm-hmm. that I did in CUH. And then obviously uh, I had to let my body heal Yes. So it wasn't until 2018 when I decided to uh, to try you'd, and... Yes, uh, they said you'd have needed some kind of some kind of help with that. So how did that go? So basically I started in 2018 and before I started I put on a lot of weight so I knew I needed to lose weight. I knew that would help me. So uh, I, I began uh, my slimming world journey as they call it. Mm. And fair play to my husband, Donal. He actually came to a few meetings with me at the start because I was so self-conscious and had never been to Slimming World, so he came with me and I started to lose weight and that, I can tell you, definitely helped right. my fertility treatment. I started the treatment in... You did really well. You lost, you lost three and a half stone, didn't you? I lost three and a half well stone. Done. It took me about two years. I did it gradually, which is good, but I'd yeah. lost about a stone fairly quickly and um, that definitely helped. But yeah. um, what they did was it was... It's different to IVF, but for my situation, because my body doesn't produce oestrogen, um, they knew they had to to, to uh, pick something. I have a very complex medical history, so they did something called ICSI, I-C-S-I. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah which is intracytoplasmic yeah. sperm insem- insemination. That's, that's why they call it ICSI, because very few of us can pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so how, um, did, did that work first time, or what happened? No, no? unfortunately. It was very disappointing, and obviously... You know, I I knew as well and I was informed like that, you know, it mightn't work straight away. Don't give up hope. So it it took me three or four cycles before um, before it actually really worked. Um, but what was good about that was my body was still healing the whole time. 
Yeah. Um, I was still losing weight. I was actually getting fit. I was going to, walking down and up Donnybrook Hills, which I hadn't done for years. To get anybody fit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. um, I was I was just working on my body and my health the whole time, which definitely helped. Um, I have an endocrine specialist, so I get my bloods checked every six months. Sure. And so I was just making sure my thyroid was okay sure. and, um, you know, um, everything and else was, was going well. And, and when did you get the good news? That's I got the, the good news in November 2021. Um, and again, it was just you do the pregnancy test at home and then you, you ring the fertility um, sure. centre. And I just couldn't believe it. I actually had to do two tests. I was just in absolute shock. Okay. I think what helped me during the, the last, because I'd done a few cycles, is I just kept very calm, yeah. very positive. When I was doing the injections, because I had to do two injections, and yeah. they actually, it's amazing what they can do. I actually had a skin patch with oestrogen that was put into my, uh, oh. like it was like a nicotine patch oh. that you'd insert on. And when so, did baby arrive? So the baby arrived then, the 29th of June, 2022. Um, Jack and uh, we we didn't find out his, the gender. We wanted to to leave it a surprise, but we both just had a very strong feeling that it was going to be a boy. And when I was pregnant, <laughs> I had you know the munchies. I just was hungry all the time, so we called him Marvin after star- starving Marvin. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, and like um, I was pregnant during the pandemic, which which was obviously difficult. Uh, Donald couldn't come to a lot of the um, appointments with me. But Evan was in the same position, so that kind of helps. Mm. He was able to come into the anomaly scan with me. Um, Jack arrived three weeks early, then he was yeah. premature. And how is Jack now? He's fantastic. He's he's a bundle of joy and energy. <laughs> and he came out with a full head of hair. They were calling him Wolverine in the deli- <laughs> delivery room. And how are you? I'm doing well, yeah, thanks. Um, we're very fortunate. He actually sleeps for the whole night and... He did that after a few months. He had bad colic at the start, so his sleeping was very erratic and obviously we were feeding him a lot more. But thankfully now, um, I actually go for a yearly MRI still and I just had it there two weeks ago and thankfully um, there's been no change. When when you heard the words, it's stable and no change, that's good. Delighted to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Unfortunately, my eyesight was affected as well. So I can't drive anymore, right. but I'm lucky I'm on a bus route and, you know, there, I have great family and friends. Well, you managed to read, you managed to write a book, which is available on, on Amazon at the moment. Yes. It's called Heads or Tails. And I think it's, it's it, it was on paperback. You can order it through Amazon on paperback. And I assume there's a Kindle edition as well. Yes, it's on paperback Kindle. It's also available on the Waterstone uh, book website. You can actually order it through uh, major bookshops as well. Like you could just ring them up and order them. There is a distributor available for that. And if you're looking it up, it's Tales is spelled T-A-L-E-S. Yes. Because um, I have a a love of puns and I kind of wanted to describe that, how fast your life can change, like the flipping of a coin, like you go heads or tails if you flip the coin. And that's how my life seemed... Um, but thankfully, there's been a very happy ending. He's an absolute miracle. Like, we know how lucky we are because I've spoken to loads of women who have no complex medical history and they're unable to get pregnant or yeah. even with fertility treatment. So I would just say to people, don't give up hope, keep trying. I mean, yeah. it took me about four um, cycles of fertility, you know, well, um, but it's it's worth it. Keep positive, keep, keep fit. Well, I'm delighted that it's all worked out for you. Um, and the book is available on Amazon. Um, Thank you very much.
Katie McGrath and best of luck to your husband and indeed to baby Jack. What a story and she's written it down in in book form Heads or Tales T-A-L-E-S available on Amazon 0818 96 96 96 Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With Hidden Hearing Changing lives with the latest hearing health technology They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Quartz 96 yeah, thanks to Katie for waiting. I thought I thought I'd have to interrupt Katie at the start, but I was told no, I could wait, and he'll wait because he isn't getting out of the car. A very very special mention for six-year-old Beckett Martin, who has the morning off school or had the morning off school for an appointment. He's now listening in the car with his dad, and won't go back into school until I mention his name on the radio. So there, I've done it. Have a good day, young man. <laughs> and I'm told you're a big Dermot Kennedy fan. So, this is for you. I like this one too. This is Power Over Me, Corks 96 FM. There's a name in the papers at the weekend. Hadn't heard that name in a little while. Had no idea what Ian Bailey was doing with himself of late. Uh, turns out he's very ill. Uh, Mr. Bailey is in CUH has had two heart attacks in the course of a week and he says that he's not sure he's going to pull through. Ian Bailey is 64 now and uh, he says his health has been deteriorating for quite some time, mental and physical. Uh, But he said, I I assume on social media, he said, uh, if, if I don't pull through... I am an innocent man. I did not kill Sophie. He's been, he says, I'm very ill and I fear that I'm running out of time. He had two heart attacks. And according to himself, the doctors can't give him a stent in his heart because of existing health issues. So he had two back to back heart attacks and is, he said he wasn't feeling well. For the last couple of weeks and went downhill last weekend. He said the care he has received in CUH and in Bantry Hospital has been outstanding. He says he feels really weak and doesn't know what the future holds. The medical team are doing their best for me and I really appreciate it. I've been suffering from extreme stress and anxiety now for weeks caused by the whole Sophie case and the prospect of being kicked out of my home. He was made homeless recently. There is nothing worse, he says, than being accused of something you did not do. I didn't feel well at all for a while and then it all came to a head. I felt very weak, felt like I was going to die. Thankfully, I got to the hospital in time and they were able to treat me. I hope that my time isn't up yet and that I can pull through. That's Ian Bailey in hospital at the moment. I've interviewed the man on a number of occasions um, and there's any number of books and documentaries and you name it, they're all out there about the story. You all know the story at this stage. But Ian Bailey, not well at all. And I suppose we'll send us send him, uh, like we would anybody else, send him our best wishes for a recovery. 
a speedy recovery as he is currently in uh, CUH. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Oh, 96FM. Yeah, give me that sound. It'll awaken memories in, in many of us. <laughs> It'll awaken memories in many people who were parents at the time. That it was almost inevitably followed by a man! What love? I need brown sugar for baking in the morning. 40 years ago today we first heard it. Play it there in a minute. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. A busy. Monday morning, back to something that dominated our conversation for hours and hours last week and one that could well dominate it again this week because the government is telling us it's going to change things, it's going to clamp down on road safety in many, many ways and the Minister for State, Jack Chambers, the the, the junior Minister for Transport, currently wants permission, has sought permission in fact to bring down the speed limits so on a national second, now primary routes primary roads, they'll stay the same motorways stay the same but secondary roads, national secondary roads, that's currently 100 kilometres an hour, it'll be down to 80 which is about 50 miles an hour in old money, and then on the local and rural roads like there'd be L's there are L's aren't there uh, Yeah, they would be down to 60, which is in or around 40 miles an hour. Uh, in towns and cities and residential areas, like villages, you'd be looking at 30 kilometres an hour. So, say, Patrick Street now, on a clear day, when there's nothing there in Patrick Street, 30 kilometres an hour, go to 40 to get your ticket. Um, urban areas, 50, down to that's 30 miles an hour in the old money. And Jack Chambers wants to, wants to push this through and it looks like it could be pushed through as early as the spring of 2024. And then, of course, there'll be loads of speed vans out to catch people speeding. There's also been talk about the penalty points that, and just go back over where we were discussing last week. So at the moment, if you are caught, say, speeding and using your mobile phone, the mobile phone offence carries three penalty points the speeding offence is three that's not the better okay let's say dangerous driving dangerous driving or careless careless driving carries five points careless driving carries five points you're also on your mobile phone that's three points currently you get five the three is taken into account and you don't get the they want to change it or some people want to change it to be that you get the eight to get the five for careless driving and you get the three for uh, the mobile phone in, in your hand. That, that's, that's, that's draconian, is how that's seen. What we're told, look, the numbers are and the numbers are bad. There's no doubt about it. We've had some terrible accidents on the road recently and twice as many people lost their lives on Irish roads 
in the month of August as lost their lives in the same month in 2022. Gavin, you have some thoughts on this. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you keeping? I'm very well. I'm very well. What do you think of this plan to make it make the rules even tighter? To be honest with you, I think their expectations won't meet reality. In actual fact, I think it's going to make the roads more dangerous. And I tell you why. So, like, there was a the political correspondent there at RTE, Michal Lehan. Mm-hmm. He, he had an article there on RTE's website. And just like you mentioned there, PJ, say the national secondary roads are they are proposing they'll be reduced from 100 kilometres down to 80 kilometres per hour. Mm. So with that, like there's people right now listening to listening to the radio show and they're probably heading towards we'll take the, the N twenty there now, for example, mm. heading towards Budavent or Charleville or whatever the case may be. Mm. There's probably so, there's prob they're probably in a tailback now at the moment. And where it's safe to drive hundred kilometers an hour, you probably have someone like a nun in the Yaris probably going fifty, sixty kilometers an hour. <laughs> And they're probably creating fierce traffic. Right. Um, you'll have, say, the local rural roads. They're proposing they go from 80 to 60. Mm-hmm. Now, a good practical example there would be the main road down to Ring of Skiddy. Now, while that is, that is a dangerous road, in fairness. Hold on, hold on. the main road down yeah. to Ring of Skiddy from, from Carrigaline, from that would be a primary route. That that would be that still be the 100, or at very, at very worst, the 80. So, do, do you know the part there around Cars Hill, say, where, it, oh, where it, at the moment it's around 80, yeah. So, like, if, if you have all the cars going 60, no, that is that is a good example because that, that road is dangerous. But while, they, while, the, while the speeds will be reduced, it's going to have a fierce backlog and a ripple effect in with the traffic until such time that that motorway is going to be built. Yeah. You're going to have traffic going nearly all the way back towards the Kinsale roundabout. Yes, yes. Uh, when, with the towns and cities then, as you mentioned, they're meant to be going from 50 down to 30. Now, while that's, that, that is important in, in congested areas, mm. there, there's no mention, they're to- totally overlooking the, the people on the e-scooters then that think they're Lewis Hamilton going down the... Down, there's there's no, there's there's no law covering those lunatics, no. 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 Like, if you go along Patrick's Quay there, no... You know where they, where a lot of people get the Cork Cove Connect or the West Cork Connect. Yes, yeah. I'm surprised they're not blown over the Merchants Key there half the time with some of the e-scooters, and uh, you have the likes of the, the Deliveroo drivers. Then they're they're in La La Land there with the headphones and the Beats on. How they're not killed is beyond me. Yeah. Um, like there's there's a lot of things being overlooked, and I, to be quite honest with you, I'm surprised. I'm sorry to say, I'm surprised not more people are killed on the roads because the big elephant in the room as well is mobile phones. Well, How many people no. do you see every day on the phones while they're driving the car? Like, Yeah, well, Dr. Van de Velde was saying it last week on this very programme about mobile phones. You know? Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a big thing. And what I find as well kind of ironic is a lot of... This Oh, hold on. They don't said, seem to be that, in areas where there's me, actually. Gavin. Uh, Gavin, say that again for you. Broke a lot up on of, me there. Yeah, go on. Yeah, no, but do you know the the actual speed vans themselves? Yes. It's a. Uh, I I always find those speed vans to be in places where there's actually never any car crashes. 
they seem to be in areas to just catch people where you're going down through the gears. They're, they seem to be always in a place where you never have uh, actual accidents. Yeah. It's like they're out to tax collect or something. You, you know, you'd, you'd question there's a lot a of it. Like. There's a spot on the Cork to Mallow Road. Um, it used to be an old pub. I'm not entirely sure the, the name of the town, then, but there used to be an old pub there. And there's a fella who parks from time to time in front of that old pub and he'd catch him. And that's, there's, there's, God, I should know where it is. I go through it frequently enough. It goes from the 100 down to 80, down to 60, back to 80, back to the 100 in a series of maybe half a mile. And there he is sitting inside waiting. This is the thing, and they're actually looking at spending another 1.2 million on speed vans. Mm. And but if they actually spent that money that towards. Would you not accept that too many people are driving too fast? A lot of people are driving too fast, but I'd actually think that a lot of slow drivers are actually cause, causing more crashes on the main roads. Yeah. That, like, I don't know how many times I've been on a road that's 100 kilometers an hour, and you have someone going 40, 50 kilometers an hour. And mm. where it could even be safe to, to pull in and allow traffic to flow, it just they just create more traffic. Mm. And with that, then it just it causes people to get more agitated and it will make people do more erratic things on the road. Well, someone, That's who, my own view someone anyway. who does erratic things on the road, Gavin, it's their fault, not the person who was driving at 40 miles an hour. Yeah, but a lot of, a lot of these... A lot of but these drivers, they're 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 going too slow altogether on the roads. I, I I'm not I'm not. It's it's actually goes beyond safety. It's nearly they're compromising their safety and everyone around them when they go ridiculously slow. It's happening right now on the well, roads as we speak. Well, I'm you, sure there's you, someone you tuned right. in on the radio. It, it is an offence to cause an obstruction, to be a cause of obstruction. So it is a problem. Yeah, but you reckon there's more people driving too slow than too fast. I think it's one of these things in life. Do you know the way there's something that you you feel is it's 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 like a fact, but you just can't prove it. You can't you create the stats. You're kind of going with what you're seeing around you. Like come back to the thing about the mobile phones because that was a good point. I just managed to find it there while we were chatting. Doctor Jason Vandeveld was on the program last week, uh, and Doctor Vandeveld goes out, and he's often the first responder, and he's often the lead medic at someone horrific. Uh, motor crashes around our, our our county. Remind you, Gavin, what he said last week. It's one of the most experienced emergency doctors in the south of Ireland and specialises in accident and trauma and stuff like that. Here's what he said about mobile phones on the programme last week. Have a listen for 20 seconds. You know, the use of mobile phone while you're driving, it, it's, you're four times more likely to be involved in the collision. It's truly distressing to arrive at a mangled car with a young person who has been seriously injured or worse, still holding onto their mobile phone with that frantic friend still on the video call. That is what haunts me. That's a horrible image, Gavin. He comes across it all too, all too frequently. Big time. And it's, it's, something, it's something that you see every day at every junction on every road. And it, it's, it, just, it will, just, so it will uh, have no... It's not going to change unless they enforce something with it. Well, like, well, would you agree with the penalty points? The increase in the penalty points would be that if you're caught speeding, well, we'll say careless driving, or you get two penalty point offences together, 
that you get both of them. If you're on your phone and speeding, that you get six, not three. It's definitely something to be looked at, for sure, yeah. because the phones are a big problem. Yeah. But they, I, I think they should actually look at the, the people that drive on main roads very slow as well, because I think that is causing problems on the roads as well. Right. I, I think there's... I, I don't know how many times I've... Say, do you know, we'd all go for a Sunday spin down to the beach or whatever. Yes. And you could be on a main road and, and there's just people driving ridiculously slow. Yeah. And yeah, you, you'll, you'll see people overtaking five or six cars to get ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. You have... We had, that would make you impatient. You're right. You'd see fellas out Sunday drivers or Sunday afternoon spinners. Gavin, thank you. Good call. Yeah, I wonder, would you agree with Gavin, though? Are there too many people on country roads in particular driving way too slowly? Like we were down yesterday in Ballycotton. And that's a nice, it's a nice drive. It's narrow, it's a narrow little town to drive through, but it's a, it's a nice drive down. But you would see one or two people now. And it's quite, it's quite safe to be doing, what, 80 kilometres an hour, maybe even 90 kilometres an hour on a good stretch of road. And then you come across someone pootling along at 45 it's safe for them. They'll get to their destination too. You'd be tempted to overtake them. And what happens then? You come straight into the face of someone who's coming in the opposite direction and everybody's in trouble. Gavin maintains that someone like that is as much of a danger as someone who's actually speeding. I wonder, would you agree with him? 0818 96 96 96. And now, 40 years ago, this very day, uh, the 11th of September... 1983, was a Sunday. Have you figured out what it is yet? It was the sound that came in to our homes through the telly box. It started at, was it half eight that night and ran from 1983 until 2001 and it became the sound of Sunday. 40 years ago today. <laughs> Feel old, wouldn't you? First ever episode of Glen Row was broadcast on RTE. And the sound you hear is, Man! Man! I need brown sugar for baking in the morning. How many dads were sent to a shop at 10 o'clock at night looking for brown sugar? Eh? <laughs> 40 years ago today, the first ever episode of Glen Row. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Weekdays when you wake up. On Quartz 96 FM. Sky have announced two new documentary series. One is about the Kardashian family and the other is the Sir David Attenborough series looking at the ways animals make and hear sound. Now, are we sure there are two documentaries or is this actually one documentary? It's like, and here the mother is trying to communicate with her children slash client. Kim, stop taking selfies. Your sister's going to jail. Though we don't know what they are communicating <laughs> to each other. I would 100% watch that show, by the way. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at no DC cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Cork 96 FM.
Have you noticed that any everyday products that you used to buy, stuff you're buying for years, okay? Any product that you're buying for years, has the taste changed or the side of the size of the packet changed or have they changed the ingredients but the price stays the same and maybe even goes up? They've done some work on this in the UK and they've discovered it is really happening. Wonder if it's happening here. Come to that in a sec. But Kira, you've also got some thoughts on speeding. You want to really um, clamp down hard on people and hit them in the pockets. Morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, I just think um, personally, changing the speed limits won't do any impact. Um, I think people that speed will speed regardless of what the sign says. But I think we seriously lack education for drivers in this country i mean our roads have changed so much in the last number of years since even i got my license Mm. that people just don't really know how to drive so i would say maybe look to what they're doing in the uk um, and in other countries i think america do something similar and hit them with their time their money and educate them on the rules and the risks of the road so if you do make any sort of road infringement you have to take a mandatory road safety course. Right. And you have to pay for it yourself. So well, Would this be for doing 40 kilometres in a 30 zone for a minor infringement or for major speeding? I think it could be it could be expanded into any infringement, really. Like, it depends, maybe a longer course for a higher infringement, a shorter course for a smaller one. Um, the possibilities are endless, I suppose, with it. But I think people will stop breaking the rules of the road for pure selfish reasons then, which will help us all. Mm. Mm. We need to, like, policing it would be difficult, wouldn't it? It would take a bit of time. I think, like, right now, if you're caught speeding or if you're caught with any type of infringement, you get penalty points and you get a fine and that's it. Nothing Mm. else will happen. You could do the same thing tomorrow. But if you're caught this way, then you have, say, you know, a week, two weeks to do a five hour online course or in-person course, whichever way it can be set up. And you may need to take a day off work to do this course. You may need to pay 100 euro to do this course. But then you will be more compliant because, number one, you've gone through all the new rules of the road. So a big one for me is people just keep stopping in yellow boxes you know, maybe they don't understand them, maybe they don't know them, but if you go through the rules of the road, you mightn't have done it in 20 years, you might be like, okay, I've not done that wrong all my life. Yeah. Basically, well, you, might, you might actually learn something. Yeah. No, there are things, I've often said this, Kira, that if I were to take a driving test tomorrow, I probably wouldn't pass it. And, and neither would a lot of other drivers. I wouldn't pass it either, I don't think. Would you not? You sound very careful. I, I think I know the general... I know the general rules of the road, but not every single sign going, I might remember it straight away. Like a refresher is good for everybody. Like in work, you have to do refresher courses every year um, because there's new regulations. Like it should be the same on our roads. There's a point now. We need to teach people. There's a point now. I mean, you get a driver's license in this country and it's valid for, was it 10 years? Something like that, or five years? I'm not too sure. Yeah. You get a driver, and then you renew it. I renewed my driver's license last year, um, and I don't know when it'll run out, but but anyway, um, and you ne- you just renew it. You you never have to do any other test, or never have to 
like like you said, and you're you're so right. If a per, a person learning to drive at the moment who passes their test and gets a license today, in ten years' time, the road will be vastly different. The roads are vastly different now than when I first got my my driving test, which is too many years ago for me to talk about on public radio. But but you're right. We're not tested. From the day you leave that driving test centre with the piece of paper in your hand that says you can drive, you're not tested again. But we're also, we're not educated properly. I mean, if you get a question wrong in school, you know, maths or something, you would hope that someone will tell you it was wrong, but also tell you what to do right so that you can pass it the next time. So if someone does something wrong on the roads and they just get a fine, they're Mm. not going to learn what they're supposed to do correctly the next time if it wasn't speeding, for example. But if we, we have so many incidents now with speeding, if we change and spend millions changing all of our road signs in 10 years' time, we're probably going to have the same issue and be looking to reduce them further. Mm. Yeah. And so it just, it just makes no sense to me that we're just putting a Band-Aid on it. Yeah. Crazy behaviour, like as, as Dr. Vandeveld said last week on the programme, and I'm sure you heard that clip, the things he comes across. A mangled car, person badly injured or worse inside it, and they're still clinging on to their mobile phone on a video call. Like, how do you, how do you get people to stop doing that, Kira? Again, you just hit them where it hurts, because right now, people might think it will never happen to me until it does happen, and unfortunately, when it does happen, there's no going back. But if they're getting caught and punished with money and time, mm. then they might become a little bit more cautious, saying, listen, it's not worth it's not worth it now to take a day off, purely selfish reasons, as opposed to what it should be looking out for everybody else on the road. But mm. you find that all the time. People will stop doing things if it affects them. Yeah. And you said the fines should hurt, hurt more than they do. Yeah. And where would you put all the extra money? You'd put all the extra money then in diff- into gather resources, would you? I think so. I think in road improvements, Garda resources, I mean... This, this system then, if it was put into place, could be an education tool, it could be creating jobs, awareness, and then be funded back into our roads. Mm. Lots to think about, Kira. Are I just, you driving along? Sometimes lo- I just hear... Are you I driving along like, yourself? I'm driving about 10 years now, so I'm actually up for renewal on my licence, which I'll do online. <laughs> yeah, and there you go. You'll do it online and it'll all go fine and you'll have your licence back in a couple of days and no one has checked, and as didn't happen with me, no one has checked. Um, is she still sharp on the road? Okay, and another thing is a lot of them, um, when I first moved down to Cork, a lot of my friends were, we, were from Tipperary, so we passed our test in country roads. Yeah. And we never drove in the city, but we had a full license, so we could just come down and drive. Yeah, yeah. Like, we didn't have a notion what we were doing at the start. It was all new. Yeah. But we just took it as it came. But, uh, yeah, I just think the option is to change the speed limit. That's not going to change anything in the long run. It's going to cause a couple of your listeners have already said it, tailbacks, traffic building. It's going to cause probably more aggression, unfortunately, on the roads um, than it will do to kind of prevent accidents. Yeah. Do you find the roads an aggressive place? Yes. Yeah. I do. I think there's just, there's a lot of people 
trying to get where they need to go in a certain length of time, especially after COVID, people are getting used to still how many people are back on our roads. The road layouts have changed all over Cork Mm. in the last two, three years drastically. People don't understand them and they're just going the way they always went. I was saying last week that one thing I learned over the course of the last number of years was to just breathe. And if you are going to leave at maybe 5 to 7 or 10 to 7 in the morning, as I do, I would try to be in the car at quarter to 7. Just take it handy. There's no need to be rushing and racing. I think there's an awful lot of people, oh, I need to be, I need to be in that place in an hour. I sure I'll, I'll go in 20 minutes or I go into, go now. Go now. Definitely, if you've got yeah. minutes, go now. And you might, yes, you might be there 20 minutes early. And then have a coffee and wait wait for your appointment. You know, that's, I think we kind of need to watch ourselves that way as well, do you know? Definitely. And my my um, my dad works in construction and he gets um, a lift to work. And he told me last week he absolutely reared up with your man driving because he had his phone out. And he said, I didn't make it uh, 65 years of my life for you to kill me with a phone. He's like, put it away. And he's not seen him with the phone since. Good for him. Good for your dad. Good for your dad, Kira. Thanks very much for that. 0818 96 96 96. Yeah, <laughs> I can't understand. Oh, there's a couple more of them here now. I can't understand why people are holding mobile phones. Most cars now have hands-free. You see new cars and people have the phone up to the year. Yeah, that's a mystery. That's a total mystery to me. And buses again for the sake of repeating myself and I only saw it again yesterday out for our afternoon drive big lorries, buses people who drive for a living who should know better with the phone clapped up to the face on a bus we're outside broadcasting house here last week and there's a coach going along middle of the afternoon negotiating traffic and parked on both sides of the road very busy road here on Wellington Road middle of the afternoon and he's got a phone up to his up to his ear. It's crazy carry on. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Where was I? Oh yes, I mentioned this shrinkflation thing. Products that you've been buying for years that like the the fridge isn't full without it, or the cupboard isn't is bare without this particular product. The, the Daily Mail has done some research and they've shown that shrinkflation actually is happening. And it ties back to something we were talking about last week about bread and about how quickly bread seems to go mouldy. We threw out two a half slice pan. We threw out a half slice pan yesterday morning and two crusts from another one. They had gone completely green overnight. Like we went to bed Saturday Saturday night and I'd looked into the bread bin before I went to bed and I thought, oh, Grant, there's a bit of bread there now for toast in the morning. I won't have to go to the shop first. Got up, brewed me coffee Sunday morning, went to take out my two... Yeah, they were gone green. Overnight they were. And is it down to... And twas When did we bought it? We bought it Friday. Was it down to... What's it down to? Is it a change in the ingredients? What is it? And in the UK, Morrison's... Now, we don't have Morrison's here. But Morrison's are famous for their own brand products. Their guacamole. Their guacamole. I hate guacamole, but it's popular. Their guacamole has been changed and now contains less avocado. 
And what you notice as well, you know these spreads, these buttery spreads, I can't believe it's not butter, or other such things, you know, utterly butterly and all these. Some of those have changed their con- their content of oil, olive oil, gone from maybe 20% down to 10 or 11%. Olive oil apparently has gone quite expensive. But all these things are changing. And sometimes as well, the, the packet has been shrunk in size. So a little packet that was maybe half a kilo is now a third of a kilo. It's the same flipping price, though. Shrinkflation, or skimp, skimpingflation, they call it. Cutting back on. Have you come across that in any of the stuff that you buy? Uh, yeah, uh, Bramwell's Real Mayonnaise. You get this in Aldi. Actually, we've had it. It's nice. Bram, Bramwell's Real Mayonnaise used to contain 9% egg yolk it's now 6% egg yolk and Tesco Tesco's luxury soft tissues extra large they're now slightly less large than they were skimpflation they call it didn't they do that with the sweets at Christmas a couple of years ago didn't they start the, the packets of sweets the celebrations are you know, whatever you're having yourself. There was less packets in the tub, less sweets in the tub and thicker wrappers. And one thing I noticed a couple of years ago was it with the quality streets, that the wrappers were looser. Notice that. The wrapper was looser on the sweet, which meant there was a bigger wrapper and less sweets. Skimpflation, they call it. On road safety, some of you listening to Kira and also to Gavin... Interesting conversation. Just broadening it out a little bit from last week. UK licences have to be renewed when you're 65. Eastern European licences have no expiry date. Only in this country does it cost you money every five or ten years, depending on the licence. Money, money, money is all this government cares about. Kevin says it's going to turn into all this speed stuff. It's going to turn into a glorious cash cow and nothing more. Then... I couldn't agree more with your caller. I'm assuming this is Gavin. I couldn't agree more with your caller. Reducing the speed limits will just make matters worse. Slow drivers cause huge danger and encourage others to make dangerous decisions. There's a raft of drivers who never did a test driving at 60 kilometres on 100 kilometre roads. They drive in the middle and they won't pull in to let anyone pass. If you're trying to get to work in the morning or to a meeting or an appointment and you're stuck behind one of these, it's going to cause accidents, and people will speed then, trying to make up for lost time. In the UK, all drivers are properly qualified with mandatory lessons. They don't learn from mom or dad, who already have bad habits, and just pass them on. They also can't go on the road without a full license, unless it's for lessons. They're excellent drivers in general. We're papering over the cracks, reducing speed limits, rather than addressing the cause. It's just revenue. This revenue won't be used to improve public transport. Why not reduce speed limits for newly qualified or more inexperienced drivers and insist that all drivers are qualified before going on the road? And this one, it's a typical knee-jerk reaction in this country. We have two young drivers who had crashes. It's dreadfully sad, the outcome of these accidents, but the vast majority of drivers on the roads are safe and competent. I don't believe any country retests drivers Look at other countries in Europe and their speed limits are vastly different to ours. The difference is they have good quality roads. 
improve the roads, don't penalise drivers. That is also an interesting point. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Been a breaking news on the education front this morning. The uh, uh, junior cert results. The junior cert results will be out on the 18th of October. It's just been announced this morning, just put that one in your diary. 0818969696. Watched last week as Electric Picnic was barely over, but it was sold out again. It's running next year, different dates, 16th to 18th. And the rumour has it that the move, the date, the move, Crossy was telling me this in one of our conversations last couple of weeks, the rumour, very strong rumour, is that Coldplay... Yes, whisper it, Coldplay, might be doing the main stage at Electric Picnic. And that is why they have moved the festival for for next year. And next year will also be, I think, the 20th year of Electric Picnic. But it's sold out already, unless there will be a second run of tickets. The big story from Electric Picnic this year was, of course, these guys. Whether you like it or not, big story. They packed the place. From the stage they were in, you couldn't see for miles. Huge, huge crowds for the Wolf Tones. And I have to ask, Brian Warfield, have you been booked yet for next year? Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, Good morning to all the Cork. Have you been booked for next year for the Electric Picnic main stage? I ne- never heard the word yet, uh, so uh, I, I just don't know. But um, you never know. I don't know. But it's up to the organisers and everything else. Yeah. Were you surprised that night? Well, we we knew that we'd fill the tent, like because we knew we were, you know, very popular with the young crowd and everybody else, and we are really humbled by the fact that you know, d- double or treble the amount of people turned up at our tent and it couldn't accommodate them, obviously, because there was only 14,000 in the in the tent and then I, I have to say probably another 24,000 outside it. Yeah, yeah. I but uh, one of my one of my favourite pictures is uh, when they speeded up the, the crowds coming from all angles uh, down to the tent and you see them, it's like a it's like a you know, answering into an anthill. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, it was just a fantastic sight. And uh, I'm very grateful to everybody that came along. I think the young people supported the Wolf Tones and have been supporting the Wolf Tones for generations. So I'm very proud of that. Mm. I'm very proud of the great, uh, young, well-educated people that came along to see us. Well, I was reading a lot of newspaper stuff over the weekend, Brian, people looking at the resurgence in your popularity following on from Electric Picnic. And I was thinking to myself, and I first worked alongside you and the lads, I'm almost afraid to say it, it's over 30 years ago. And I saw what you guys do. And this is not your first rodeo. Young people have flocked to the Wolf Tones generation after generation. It starts with the teenagers. Am I right? Exactly, and in fact, like you know, I get a lot of emails and all from mothers and uh, of 
children who love the, the wolf tones and they love the music and everything else. And, uh, you know, uh, like I, I sang a couple of songs before the match last night and, uh, you know, just for the supporters clubs yeah. there. And, uh, you know, there was young kids there and they, they were all excited about, you know, me singing a couple of songs and everything else like that. And they were all like uh, about 10 or 11 or 12. So they were pretty aware of the Wolf Tones at that age. But I think every generation came along and, you know, discovered the Wolf Tones as, as they came into life. Mm. And uh, I'm humbled by that fact. I think the, great, the Irish people love their Irish song, love the story of their country. And we're probably unique in a way that we've been carrying this story for over six, nearly 60 years. Yeah, next year will be 60. And I believe the Three Arena is sold out already. Well, I I hear all, I hear that as well. Um, so uh, yeah, that'd be fantastic. But uh, I'd be looking forward to it now because I'll be bringing a, a couple of guests, and I might bring the Celtic Symphony Orchestra along as well, <laughs> and do something very special for our 60th anniversary. Mm. You know. Brian, we, we've had a few conversations, you and I. I. I tend to enjoy the conversation rather than arguing the toss with you like other people might do. But you've described yourself before as a folklorist and a historian. And if I looked on at the people who were at Electric Picnic and watched the videos that I see, because I wasn't there myself, those people were enjoying folk music. That's what they were enjoying. There was no crazy nationalism or nationalist statement there, would you say? No, absolutely not. Uh, and it's it's celebrating our song tradition, which is very strong in our country. And uh, it's loved by, if you go back through the years and back to the early 60s and back to the Clancy Brothers and everything else, yeah. ballads have always been at the forefront of our top music. The top tens of every generation have included like uh, all kinds of great ballads. And... Uh, I think at one point we had a, an album out, uh, I think it was uh, Up the Rebels, it was called, back then, and about ni- ni- 1960-something, 66 or something like that. Mm. And, uh, you know, we had about seven number ones in it, and people picked them up. It was like the Je- Mary Plough by it became a number one for mm. other people. Uh, we had uh, Moshe and Durkin, which we call Mrs. Durkin, it became a hit then for, uh, I think, uh, Johnny McAvoy. Johnny McAvoy had a hit with it, yeah. yeah. You, you did and a live album a few years ago. Uh, and some of the, it was really powerful stuff. And I used to play nightclubs, and I played one in particular in Formoy from time to time. And, that, you know, it's a typical nightclub scenario, very, you know, popular chart music and dance music and international dance beats. But, you know, I had to finish up every night. I wouldn't be let out the door without playing your live version of Some Say the Devil is Dead. There you go. In, so. a, in a dance club. Yeah. They, <laughs> they, 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 they love it. And like, some of the DJs tell me at the moment like that, uh, you know, they, if they want people to get up to dance and dance around and encourage them, they've only got to play Celtic Symphony and everybody's up on the floor. That's right. Yeah, it is. It, it, uh, any big gig, I have to ask... Any big gig planned for Cork for the 60th? Well, we'd love to do it. Um, and, uh, you know... Well, can we do it? There's a tent down here, you know. I know that. There's a very and big popular tent down here. <laughs> yeah, we're over to all suggestions. Some people have said, would you come back to uh, Sheemshire Cushley? 
That was, they were great days. They were great. great. They were fabulous days. Glenn Campbell, Leo Sayer, Joan Baez, yourselves yeah. every year. Bagatelle got Wesley and Riley. What great days they were. Oh, my God, yeah. And we enjoyed every one of them. Met all those artists. And, uh, yeah, Just Christofferson, we, yeah. Yeah, we were there for 13 years. The whole 13 years. Yeah. And every, and, oh, you couldn't have it without you. And you couldn't have it without without without, without old Liam and, and Bagatelle. Would you, would you like to... You'd like to do a big Cork gig next year, would you? Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, I think Cork was always the second. Oh well, they they were. I think the first people to recognise the Wolf Tones outside of Dublin. So, and um, we played for Father Nesson down there in the Father Matthew Hall. Yeah, um, it's still and there. And we did that for years and years. We used to go down on a regular basis. It's still there. Uh, it's still yeah, there. and uh, we played there for. I have, God bless him, I think Father Nesson is gone now, but he was a great fan of the Wolf Tones yeah. and our music, and he encouraged us and gave us gigs there when we weren't playing outside Dublin at the time. Yeah. Listen, Brian, we'll stay in touch, because I have a funny feeling we will see you in Cork at some point in, in 2024. The three arenas almost sold out for 2024. Uh, I think you're only waiting on that phone call from Electric Picnic. I think it will happen with you next year. Brian Walfield of uh, The Wolf Tones. Thanks, Brian. We'll be celebrating 60 years in the Irish music business uh, in 2024. Say what you like about that. And I've been lucky enough, I first worked alongside The Wolf Tones DJing and MCing and stuff. It's over 30, it is 35 years ago now. And one thing about it is, there's a lot of old tripe has been written this weekend about their appeal and what this and what that and what the other is. Young people are drawn to the wolf tones, generation after generation. And what you're looking at now is just the same thing that's been happening for 40 or 50 years. It's not their first rodeo. And that's what's happening. Another generation is being drawn drawn to the wolf tones and drawn to the way they, they celebrate their music and their heritage and their folklore. And that's the, it is what it is. Programme edited by Emer Ahey, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Your podcasts are up shortly and we'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM.